Um, hey, we were praying last night, um, Brother Luke and I and, and Doc Coons, and uh, we prayed for the church. And I said, Lord, what do you have for the church in this next hour, this fall? <clears throat> what do you have for the church in Eldorado? We just want to pray. We want to bless the church. And my brother Luke uh, heard the Holy Spirit speak into his heart. Uh, and he said, I believe for the church in Eldorado, the Lord has been tenderizing our hearts and he's tenderizing us not just for receiving from him, but he's tenderizing our hearts for perceiving what he's doing. He's opening our hearts up, not just to receive from him, but to perceive what he's doing. And I just wanted to sow that into you. I don't have a lot more to add to that, except that those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who walk in step with the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that's what Jesus was doing his entire ministry. He was perceiving what God was doing, and then he was taking part in that. So I want to start this time off here just praying for this word. And and Lord, that you would, we ask in Jesus' name, do a work, Lord, of opening our eyes that we perceive, even this morning, God, what you're doing. Yes, to receive, Father, but would you open our eyes, God, and we would walk where you're walking, that we would speak what you're speaking, God. I pray for wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment and the knowledge of you, God. Even now, just make your home in our hearts through faith. I pray, Lord, as I share this word that's on my heart, God, I pray that you would give us divine inspiration and revelation, Lord. Even above and beyond what I can say, speak into these hearts, Holy Spirit, young and old alike. I pray for distraction to be lifted off. Pray for wandering thoughts to be centered back on your word right now, God. I pray that you would use this to equip us, Lord, for the work of ministry. It's in each person here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would glorify Jesus in each life Even in this time together, Lord, our fellowship after, Lord, glorify Jesus, God. Do a work among us that you get the credit for here in El Dorado, Lord. The church, throughout the New Testament, as I read it, I see it's a story from beginning to end of koinonia, or fellowship, or community. The church is a story of a band of believers together called the body of Christ who corporately are getting into deeper revelation and understanding together than they had or could have individually. And I know you know this. I think I just want to to, to a breathe a reminder into your hearts today that we are not saved into individual Christendom we're saved into the church and we're saved into the corporate expression of the body of Christ. And you, as a living stone, have a place on that wall. And you removed from fellowship in the body of Christ, not just here in this little tiny hour and a half time slot that we have, but in the church universal in Eldorado, Kansas and in the earth, you separated from that means there's a hole in the wall. Or to put it another way, you separated from that means we're missing a hand in the body of Christ or an elbow or an eye or an ear or a foot. 
You're a big deal and you're not a big deal. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. The Lord has made you a big deal because he's made you part of his house. And yet at the same time, it's all glory to him. And there's no pride in of ourselves. The word koinonia in the Greek means community or joint participation or intimacy of spiritual fellowship or it represents your share in something. You get, a, you get a percentage of the bounty, your koinonia in the riches of Christ Jesus. And so all throughout the New Testament, it's talking about y'all together, or your fellowship together, or the intimacy that you have in the Holy Spirit, and that's koinonia. And you know what I'm talking about if you've been in the church for very long. You know the feeling, you know the expression of the fellowship of the saints together. It's a beautiful thing. It's hard even to describe to people on the outside how beautiful it is to fellowship within the body of Christ. Here's a couple examples. Ephesians chapter 2, go with me to verse 21. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises, as we're joined together, then we rise up. We go up together to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two, y'all together, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then he says over in chapter 3, go with me to verse 18. I want you to have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ and to know together this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not individually, but corporately. He says over in Colossians to your right, chapter 1, He says in verse 26, this mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people as a group, the fellowship of believers. What's disclosed to them? To to them, to God's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in y'all together. Or among you, the hope of glory. The riches of Christ Jesus is revealed corporately because we are the body of Christ. Him being the head and we are the hands and feet and body of Christ. And there's so many more verses about being together. So suffice it to say, you're saved into fellowship of believers in the church. As a Christian, there is no such thing as I just have my relationship with Jesus and I don't need y'all. That's silly. That's like, I've just got my marriage certificate. I don't need my wife. Or, or I think it was Brian, somebody said, it would be like saying to your wife, I love your face. Your body just really bothers me. That's dangerous. Don't do that, guys. I love Jesus, it's just the rest of y'all just really bother me. We can't say that. We're saved into the corporate expression of Christ Jesus. And it's there that I want to demonstrate to you today from the scriptures that we go deeper together. And it's the only way to go deeper. 
So let me unpack for you a couple of epistles. I did this in house church a few months ago, and I want to do that again. Let me give you a little bit of a backdrop, starting in the book of Colossians, if you would. Paul is on his third missionary journey, and he goes to Ephesus. And it said he lectured in the lecture hall of, of Tyrannius, I believe. And he stayed there for a couple of years doing this. So he's there in Ephesus and he's preaching the word of God. And it says in that place that all of Asia Minor in Acts 19, everybody there heard the word of the Lord. Well, one of the guys that came to Ephesus to hear the word of the Lord in that lecture hall was a guy named Epaphras. And he traveled from Colossae, his hometown, and he traveled about 100 miles to the west and he got to Ephesus. I think we've got a map up there. You can see where that's located. He headed from his hometown, Colossae, and he headed to Ephesus because he wanted to hear what Paul had to say on Paul's missionary journey. Well, Paul evangelizes him. Some believe he led him to the Lord. We don't know that, but one way or the other, Epaphras heard the word. He travels back home 100 miles to Colossae, and he plants a church there. And we know that from Colossians 1.7, where it says, you learned it, you understood God's grace from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Paul didn't plant the church in Colossae, Epaphras did. So about five or 10 years later, Paul is arrested and he's in Rome. And who does he meet in prison there but his good friend Epaphras? And he, he says that in Philemon verse 23. He's a fellow prisoner with us. So somehow along the way, Epaphras, who got evangelized by Paul, maybe discipled by Paul, who planted the church in Colossae, ends up in prison with Paul. And he's sharing with him what's happening in the Colossian church. And so Paul is like, you know, I need to write a letter to the Colossian church to encourage them. This is around AD 62. Well, he's there in prison and he decides to write another letter. And he writes Philemon. So go to your right, if you would, with me. It's right after Titus. Here you have Paul sitting in prison. He's unjustly accused. And who does he meet in prison besides Epaphras? But he meets this guy named Onesimus. And Onesimus is justly accused. He's a thief. And he left his employer or his master, Philemon. Philemon was a wealthy, maybe landowner, a business owner. And he probably stole something from him. And he gets caught for that reason or some other reason. And there he is as a prisoner justly accused in this Roman prison sitting next to Paul, who is unjustly accused. Well, what does Paul do? Paul shares the gospel with him. He becomes his father in the faith. He leads him to faith. So as he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, because of what Epaphras tells him about their love, he also writes a letter to Philemon, this man he knew through relationships in the past and on other missionary journeys. And he says... 
What I'm going to do, Philemon, is I'm going to send Onesimus back to you, he who was formerly useless to you, but now he's useful. That's what his name means, useful. And I've become his father in the faith. And anything that Onesimus took from you, charge it to my account. And then I love, he adds this little phrase in there, not to mention that you owe me your very life. It's a master of persuasion in this letter here. It's beautiful. So Philemon's going to get this. Here's the servant that stole from him and lied to him. And Paul's saying, welcome him back because he's no longer a thief and a liar. Now he's a son of the living God. And he's a brother in the faith. He's my son in the faith. Well, Paul sends the letter called Philemon, this epistle. And he sends this letter to the Colossian church. And he sends another epistle, Ephesians. It's unbelievable to me. All three of these he sends back to Colossae by the hand of Onesimus. This thief, this liar, this prison breakout guy, this guy who was in prison, justly accused, he sends these precious letters back by this guy's hand. It tells us in Colossians chapter 4, and another man named Tychicus. He sends Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians back to Colossae by the hands of a felon and another man named Tychicus. It's an amazing story. And so here's the punchline that I want to get to. Philemon has the ultimate together verse, I think, in the New Testament. It's an unbelievable verse that I didn't understand for a long time, and I've heard it preached, unfortunately, I think out of context in the wrong way. And I believe it holds mystery for us as a church and what this koinonia means for us. And so start with me in verse four of chapter zero of Philemon. I always thank my God as I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all of his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm going to read a few different translations here. I'm going to read NIV first. And I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Let me say this a different way in a different translation. I think I've got my, my version up there. I added all the words and all the Greek that kind of unpacks this in a, in a really powerful way to help us understand what this verse means. And I pray that the sharing of, or the koinonia, the communion of, the fellowship of, the sharing of your faith, or our partnership in the faith together, may become effective and powerful in the deepening of your understanding of the full knowledge of every good thing which is ours that we share in Christ. That as you share your faith together among one another, as you koinonia together, something supernatural is going to happen to you, Paul's praying. And that's that the deepening goes deeper. We already have a depth of understanding of Christ, but it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. We're going to plumb the depths of every good thing we have together in Christ Jesus, only through the sharing together of our faith. The expanded version says it this way. 
I pray that the faith you share may make you or empower you to understand every blessing that we have in Christ. The faith that you share together intimately in Christ Jesus is going to empower you to go deeper in understanding all that you have in Christ Jesus. Now I said preached out of context. What does this mean? I've heard this preached numerous times as an evangelism verse, meaning as you share your faith with non-believers, it helps you understand every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus. And that is absolutely true, by the way. I don't want to take anything away from that. It's just not what this verse is saying. Because we don't koinonia with non-believers. We're not fellowshipping with non-believers like that. We're proclaiming our faith. What this says here and what this is unpacking for us is that something heavenly happens when we have true, deep, intimate, spiritual fellowship one to another. We get deeper. We, our understanding goes to new places in Christ Jesus. The full knowledge of all that we have in Christ. Because a limited or shallow understanding comes from limited and shallow revelation. Because we need the spirit of revelation so that we go deeper. We don't know Christ through an impartation of knowledge. We know Christ through a revelation of who he is in us. And I don't have revelation, my eyes aren't open, unless I submit myself in an intentional way to all you people who know Christ in different ways and flavors because of circumstances and the fire in your lives that's produced gold that I really need to go deeper. I'm going to give you a couple examples of that here in just a minute. Matthew 21, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And all of the crowds are stirred up. The whole city is stirred because Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And someone says, or the group together says, who is this? Who is this man that's riding in on this donkey? And here comes the answer. The answer is, the crowd said, this is Jesus. And He's the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. They had understanding and they had some revelation, but it was very shallow. They did not know he was way more than a prophet. And they didn't know that, yes, he was from Galilee, but deeper than that, he was from Bethlehem. And deeper from that, he was from heaven. He was the bread of heaven. And so we can have understanding and limited revelation and still be believers. But Paul says, I want to know him more. I want to go deeper. The truth is we'll never get to the bottom of all that he is, all the riches and wisdom of God. But I want to know because as he increases, I decrease. And my love and my affection for him increases as I know him more. I really want to know him better than I do. And the only way I can do that, yes, I'm reading my Bible and yes, I'm praying, but I'm telling you, the sharing of our faith together deepens my understanding of everything I have in Christ. The sharing together of it deepens my understanding. So how? How? What does this look like? And it has to be more than the fellowship dinner we're about to have. It's great. I love fellowship dinners. I love the desserts. 
And we're talking about work. We're talking about life. It has to go deeper than that. We're talking about a spiritual fellowship and understanding. We're reminding one another. We're stirring one another up in our holy faith, right? Because as we walk along the dirt roads of life, we get dust on our feet. And Jesus says, I need to wash your feet, disciples, in the upper room. I got to wash your feet. And Peter, Peter says, wash my whole body. He says, no, I don't need to wash your whole body. You're already clean because of the word. I do need to wash your feet, though. Because we pick stuff up from the world. And we need it to be washed over us. Pop with me to the end of my notes here, Dean, if you would. Ephesians chapter 5. How does Ephesians chapter 5 say Christ makes his church holy. He's using this in the context of husbands and wives, but what is it that Christ does to make his church holy? Well, listen, verse 25, Christ loved the church, and number one, he gave himself up for her. In her place, he, he gave, instead of her, he gave himself to make her holy. Secondly, he cleanses her by the washing with water through the word. And thirdly, he presents her to himself radiant, without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, holy and blameless. And the husbands in the same way do this to your wife. But see, when I'm around all y'all people in circumstances in house church, or when people stop into my office midweek, or when I take the phone call like I did with Josh Engel the other day, my dear brother who's come here and we shared an hour on the phone. Well, he loves Jesus. And as he's speaking the truth, I can feel lies wash off of me, right? I'm feeling the stains of this world washing off of me. The dirt and the grime and the distractions. And all of a sudden, my thinking becomes aligned, I'm made new in the attitude of my mind, it says later on in this passage. I'm renewed. The attitude of my mind is corrected again. I've got spiritual chiropractic that happens every time I'm around you people. The other night we prayed for the church in Afghanistan. And I was having a hard day. That day, those couple of days, Lizzie and I were in a hard season. Eric and Candace, I felt led. I said, why don't I buy you guys ice cream? Because I can get them to do anything with free ice cream. Why don't you guys come over? I want you guys just to pray over Lizzie and I. So there we are, Lizzie and I. We just kind of unfurled our hearts to them. Here's what's hard about life right now. Here's the spiritual attack we're under, the darkness. Here's some flesh stuff we're dealing with. And they just sat there and they just listened. And what did they do? They started speaking the truth. Eric said, light and life is to be released in this place. And they start together reminding us that Satan really has no power. And in my mind, I had elevated the work of the devil to be almost on par with the work of the Lord. Like there's kickback that's coming and the light shines and there's kickback and it's equal. And they reminded me it's not equal. Light is way more powerful than darkness. And so all of a sudden that lie just kind of got broken off. I'm like, what am I doing? It's by the finger of God that we cast out demons. It's by the breath of his mouth we push darkness back. Well, they leave, and Lizzie and I sleep better that night. And I woke up the next day feeling refreshed and encouraged and filled with the Holy Spirit. All they did was just come over and wash us with the water of the Word. That's happened with almost all of you guys in here. I can think of a time, at least one time, 
where that's happened, where we just encourage one another and bless one another. What we did was they took their words and they built us up in our holy faith. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listened. We were benefited that night. So what happens as we're washed with the water of the word is that fear is vanquished. We're built up. We're made new. We're refreshed. And then we go into the next day. And what happens the next day? Well, I get dirt on my feet. And I, and, I, and I got attack from the enemy. And I got my shield up. And man, the arrows are coming. So what do I got to do? Well, I got to go back to my word and my prayer closet alone. Yes, but I got to get back in fellowship again. I want to be around you guys again so I can be washed clean. And I want to do that for other people. Guys, this is why the church met every day together. Every day they needed, every hour I need you. I need to walk in a healthy, normal way as a believer. So, the more spiritual relationships in your life, I firmly believe this, the healthier you are and the normal your walk is in the Lord. The more spirit-led people you have in your life, the more normal your thinking is, the attitude of your mind corrected, the more normal your Christian walk is, I believe. I believe it's backed up biblically to say that. Now, you don't need deep, intimate relationships with a thousand people. You can have those three, like Jesus. You could have the, the in, but I'm telling you, there's more than that. Listen to this real quick. Paul, I think, was the king of having relationships. I mean, he, he was friends with everybody. He never even went to the Colossian church. He didn't plant it, but he's writing for, for them because of a relationship he made in an evangelism moment. And then he's meeting Onesimus and now this prisoner is now my son and now we have this intimate personal relationship. Even if he never saw him again, he's got it. Listen to the end of 2 Timothy. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesimus. Eubulus greets you and so do Prudence and Linus and Claudia and all of the brothers and sisters at the end of Colossians. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas and Jesus called Justice sends his greetings and Epaphras who's one of you sends his greetings and our dear friend Luke, the doctor and Demas sends greetings and Nymphia and the church that meets in her house and be sure to tell Archippus uh, I want you to complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I'm like, this dude was like a Facebook, a walking Facebook back then. He had tons of friends and they weren't shallow relationships. So I'm telling you, Paul had a deeper revelation than any man of Christ Jesus on this earth. And he had more spiritual relationships than anyone else. That's why there's so much warfare against relationships. It's because in that koinonia, we go deeper in our understanding. I get more of Jesus when I'm around more of y'all, right? And on the flip side, if you're koinoniaing with darkness and with those who are aligned with this world, I want to warn you. It blocks revelation of all the depth that you have in Christ Jesus. Notice I didn't say that you're not ministering to or eating with tax collectors and drunkards and sinners and prostitutes. I'm not saying that. But deep 
intimate spiritual fellowship like I used to do with all the lost guys from work. We'd go to bars back in the day. We just have beers together and we'd talk. My early 20s, I was being discipled. Didn't even know it. Loved those guys. And it wasn't necessarily bad, but man, I tell you, I was being discipled by the ways of the world. I was koinoneeing with them. I was experiencing deep fellowship in the soul that I didn't even know I was doing. Got to watch out for that. Got to watch out for that. Those who speak into your life that have no knowledge or revelation of Jesus Christ. I just, I, I, I brought this to Dick about a year ago. I had a, had a man who wanted to mentor me in business and he was a believer. And I love this guy. But I'm telling you, his knowledge and revelation of Jesus was pretty shallow to his own admission. But he wanted me to come under his umbrella and he wanted to speak into my life about wisdom and, and, and in business and how to walk that out. And man, I tell you, I felt so weird about that for some reason. And I actually had a dream about it. I took it to Dick and Dick said, this is not a good deal. This, you don't, this guy is not to be an umbrella for you. You're to speak into his life. He's not to speak into your life. I'm so glad for that wisdom because of what's transpired since then. Be careful who you let speak into the innermost places of your heart. Be careful. Because as you fellowship, you go deeper in the knowledge of the things of this world and the spirit of this world or the knowledge of the things of Christ, the spirit of Christ, depending on who you're fellowshipping with. So <clears throat> as we go back to fellowship lunch here, and as you go into this next week, I want you to think about, if you would with me, how the intentional fellowship takes you deeper. What's the Lord revealing through your brothers and sisters around you this week? What's he saying in these one-on-one -on -one conversations, in these house church meetings, and even today? We have so much in Christ Jesus. We need each other to understand what we have. Amen and amen.